Welcome to Soccer Over Gotham, an NWSL podcast covering Gotham FC with your hosts, Ruby Pinto, Gary Gibson. Now, without any further ado, let's go Gotham. Let's get on to the show. Episode 51 of Soccer Over Gotham. We got some breaking news today, which we're going to cover. There are some coaching changes. And then there was a game we had to, to cover, which was a COVID protocol depleted Gotham, travels to Chicago and has another multi-goal loss. There's six loss in seven matches. Ruby and I will dissect this match and try to see what we can learn from it. So Gotham is gearing up to play three games in seven days. We will preview both of those matchups we will have before the next podcast. Last week, we had a great interview with Gotham FC midfielder and player of the match, Taron Torres. This week, we are going to go back to back with another Gotham FC player interview, fan favorite, and one of the most interesting players in the entire league. We got backup keeper Hensley Handcuff on the show. Seriously, one of the most interesting interviews we've done. Can't wait to share it. But first, I'm joined as always by my co-host, Ruby. How are you, Ruby? Yay! Another busy week for me, but I'm happy to be here for another episode of Talker Over Gotham. Like you said, we're going to go over the last game and much more breaking news that came out today. But before we do that, how are you, Gary? It was good. I had a full day off of, uh, of work and I decided to do nothing today. And it's been a long time since I've done nothing. So I'm very, <laughs> very relaxed. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of news today. Absolutely. Nothing so, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, let's just get right into it. Let's just talk about the breaking news. This afternoon, Gotham FC announced they had parted ways with head coach Scott Parkinson, who entered this team after former coach Freya Coombe left to coach Angel City late August. Gotham went undefeated under Scott Parkinson on their way to making the playoffs for the first time in many seasons. My initial thoughts on the hire, I didn't know Scott before he was named head coach of Goth for Gotham, but everyone seems to like him. Everyone on social media was happy to have him over. And at the moment, I believe that was the right move for Gotham to have Scott as a coach. He was very unknown at the time. because obviously his first time as a head coach, but everybody that responded to him being hired as a head coach was very positive and he seems seemed to be a very thought of in high regards around the league, which is good. However, uh, this offseason was a crazy one. It was a double expansion year. Gotham lost both keepers to expansion teams. They lost Carly Lloyd. You can also add Lynchpin Alley Long to the maternity leave. Mm -hmm. uh, all big pieces. However, Gotham added veterans Ashlyn Harris, Allie Krieger, Christy Mewis, Gotham reloaded, and Gotham made a bunch of win-now moves. And coming into this season, the feeling around this team being a contender was pretty high. But Gotham never got off the ground. And there always seemed to be a disconnect between the coach and the players on the field. I mean, off the field, it seemed like they were a very tight group. With all the moves Gotham did, it felt kind of like a balanced loss when we lost Didi and Sheridan. You know, like you said, we gained Ashton Harris, Ali Krieger, and Kristen Mewis. It felt kind of balanced that we lost Didi and Sheridan. Again, Didi and Sheridan were great for, for Gotham and were there for great moments for the team in the playoffs and Challenge Cup in 2020. With new coach and some new players, it was kind of like a fresh start for Gotham. But it seems like it never clicked on the field. Like you said, off the field, they're a very tight group. They have fun. They're like family. But on the field, they never clicked. I think we just want to wish Scott Parkinson well. 
he seemed like a class individual and everyone he worked with seemed to have nothing but great things to say about him. I'm frustrated like everybody else that this just didn't work out with a different roster. I think you could do well. This roster was built for a system that was antithetical to what Parkinson's coaching style was. That is my overall take on his tenure. Not a bad coach or a bad person, just probably a bad fit for the roster. Yeah, it just didn't fit for for Gotham. And I guess his plan didn't work out for, like you said, for the roster that we have. And yes, I do wish him well. Good luck with everything that comes because he's such a good person, such a class individual. Seems like he was very good to all the fans, um, everyone in the team and staff. So good luck to him. Uh, I did get to meet him when when Gotham did the the camp back in December or January. I forgot when it was. I think it was December. Jenna was there. Robbie was there. Um, McCall came. And Becky was there. And Scott was there. I got to meet him. He was a great person. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, we had the little camp. I played my butt off out there. <laughs> And Scott was like, come on, Pinto. I was like, well, if you need another Pinto, just let me know. But again, <laughs> it seems like this was a, a hard decision for Gotham to part ways with with Scott. And it seems like it was just hard for both parties, but wish him well. I have a lot of faith in Becky Tweed to lead this team. The most cohesive this team looked this season was when Becky was placed in charge. She's played to this team's strength. She knows this team better than anyone else. I feel this move could absolutely energize this team into playing some pretty good soccer. I'm hoping that Becky does well enough that it puts her in position to succeed here or elsewhere. We are behind her 100%. There are still plenty of games to be played. I'm still pretty doubtful on this team making the playoffs, but I'm looking forward to Gotham rediscovering their identity and going back to a winning formula that they had last season. This season has been tough on all of us, from the players, the coaches, the fans, especially the supporter group Cloud9. This at least gives us some hopeful vibes going forward. Let's go, Gotham. Let's go. And like you said, Becky has been with with Gotham for a while now. And she has seen this team in good games and bad games. I think Becky Tweed combined forces with Bev Yanez will mm-hmm. be good. I think Becky Tweed will be able to bring that the team back to what it used to be until they find a new head coach. I also appreciate Gotham dropping this news on a Thursday when we record our main show. (laughs) (laughs) However, these are our initial thoughts. We'll be discussing this news further on a Friday, on a Friday night Twitter space, hosted by best friend of the show, Jenna Tanelli. I can't wait to do that. Yes, stay tuned, guys. We'll be there on Twitter spaces. Let's get to this game recap, shall we? Let's go. All right. Chicago is a team trying to regain control of the top third of the table, and Gotham's a team that can't afford to drop any more points. So roster highlights, Gotham went into last week's match with a nearly healthy lineup. Parkinson said Anamana was still practicing off to the side and her participation in this game would be determined last minute. However, uh, we weren't prepared for that injury list. Dorsey, Livingstone, Yokoyama, Sheehan out for COVID, Harrison Krieger out for personal reasons. Hope everything is okay. Anamana was indeed out for illness. Gotham comes out in a 5-3-2 formation. Betos in goal, a back line of Didasco, Freeman, Gene, and Johnson, and Monaghan as a left wing back. The midfield was a three of Torres, Zerboni, the captain, and Lewis as a dual eight. Front two of Smith and Purse. Any thoughts on this lineup, Ruby? Well, 
we've been asking for a roster rotation, haven't we? <laughs> we and have. I guess we got it. We we got a little rotation here. Beto's back to the starting lineup, and for not not for good reasons because all these a lot of injuries and COVID protocols that are going on. But again, we. We have so much talent here. So Gotham came out with this strong lineup with all these starting 11. It was amazing. It was great on paper. We're going, but we're going to go into detail now because it seemed like it was the perfect like team to start on paper again, but things happen. So we're going to, we're going to touch on that a little bit later. I was immediately concerned upon seeing the injury list, but after working out the possible lineup, I actually kind of dug this lineup. It would look really, and you said, look really good on paper. I was not prepared for Paige as a wingback. However, as I said in the last podcast, let's just score some goals. And if we lose, just go down swinging. Um, yeah, they came out looking like they were really re- ready to attack, but they didn't really attack on this game at all. They're going to come out swinging, but did they really swing though? That's the real question. Swing and a miss. <laughs> all right. So let's go over some highlights from this match. And the first half, the graphic on the screen had Torres in the 10, and I nearly yelled at my TV. <laughs> then the game starts with Mewis in the 10, and all was right with the world. So there was two interesting things about the first half. The first thing is, for the first 25 minutes, they were uneventful. Gotham is putting numbers behind the ball. They're clearly a team playing without confidence. A couple of back passes nearly become dangerous turnovers. There was simply no conviction on a lot of these passes. Gotham does well to limit Pew. Good job by Torres and Zerboni cutting off lanes. Then comes the rest of the half. Pew gets her name first mentioned in the 26th minute. Gets her first chance in the 27th. Chicago really starts getting comfortable, and Gotham spends the rest of the half defending deep. Mewis withdraws from a 10 to another deep-lying midfielder as Gotham abandons any idea of moving forward. I started my halftime tweet saying that quote, draw feels like a victory. (laughs) Then right before I press send, Malazzo dunks on Didasco and across to the back post and it's one nothing Chicago. Your thoughts on this first half, Ruby? You know, I was about to tweet kind of like the same thing, like, oh, you know, zero, zero, a draw. It feels like a win. But I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it because I just feel like I'm going to jinx it. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't want to jinx anything. But Uneventful sounds about right. The game was a little boring until Chicago scored. This team looked like they were running on 10% battery. They were scared. They were playing without confidence. I honestly wanted to turn off the TV because the team was not having a good time. And I didn't turn off the TV because I knew I had to talk about the game today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was yelling at the TV internally because I was at my father-in-law's house and I don't want to seem like I'm crazy. I'm a little crazy about soccer, but I don't want to show it publicly at my father-in-law's house. But but we will keep supporting them. Doesn't matter if they lose or or they win. I know a lot of people on Twitter kept saying during the first half that it was the best Gotham has played. Honestly, I didn't think so. I didn't think they were playing great. But I was like, you know what? Let me just stay quiet and keep watching. I saw a lifeless team on the field just trying to follow a plan a plan that we all know it's not working yeah that definitely was not Gotham's best half I'll tell you that (laughs) but that goal was heartbreaking 
Like it really felt like this team, if this team could just get to have zero zero, there was a chance for Gotham to just hang in there and get a point. Could have been a real confidence booster for this team that desperately only needed one. Clearly came up with a game plan to just defend. Gotham was really putting everybody behind the ball. Page was pinned back as a second left back for a lot of this half. I thought the midfield three were actually pretty good in the first half, forcing Chicago to the wider areas. But the defensive shape really put Midge and Smith on an island. Gotham had 0.1 expected goals going into the half. It was terrible. Yeah, we didn't see, we didn't see much action from Smith and Midge Purse. But in other words, pretty much there was no chance to score in this game. Smith at times had, she was bringing some energy at some times. Um, I love Smith's energy. I love her energy. She was bringing it at times. But I think her energy ended sometime in the second half. And her energy was just gone, gone with the win, gone with the chance of scoring. Agreed. So this was a good half for Jean. Zerboni, Torres, and Didasco. Caprice was really getting forward and combining well. If you look at the pass map, she was really hitting a lot of targets. And she was looking like her old self for a stretch. So this is the first time Taryn has been in the six alone. And she looked comfortable and confident. So dare I say, long light. Uh, <laughs> hitting those flat switch passes was really good to say. She really had a great game. And I think... Taryn Torres taking those shots, those were the highlight of the game for me, and I really love that. Yeah, so let's get to the second half. The second half is just more the same. Gotham, despite being down, are just not getting forward, and they're just throwing players behind the ball. Chicago's two defensive midfielders were just eating up everything in the middle. Gotham gives up a set piece for the second time in the game. Poor marking. There was four back post runners and just two defenders. Then... Gotham does a, a, lot, a hockey line change. At this point, it's just chaos. Uh, I, I don't think anyone had a position. They were flying around just trying to make something happen. Try as they might, nothing ultimately ends up happening. They defend to the end. Your thoughts, Ruby? <laughs> chaos. Yes, chaos. I think the second half was just the first half 2.0. I, I don't have stats on this, but I'd say 90% of the second half was played on Gotham side of the field. They they keep building from the back. I hate that. I think you can do that a few times here and there, but it just became so predictable. I'm like, they're gonna start from the back. They started from the back. They're gonna they're not even gonna go past the half half field. They didn't go past uh, half field. I was like, what's going on? Come on! <laughs> it was really frustrating watching this game. They were not pressuring high. Or they didn't have an urgency to get the ball back. Chicago manages to score another goal. And at some point, the camera focuses on Scott. And you can see his face. He looked like he was defeated. Yeah, I saw that. Overall, my first takeaway is that Gotham is second best on the night. Chicago is a really physical team. And they bossed Gotham around for most of the night. Chicago won 60% of their duels overall. They won 60% of their ground duels. 71% of the aerial duels. Chicago really prevented anything going forward with 22 interceptions. That in Gotham was mm. too predictable, just trying to get the ball to the highest po highest attacker at the mm -hmm. time, especially after Didasco got subbed. Yeah, I really don't like those numbers. <laughs> and I, I kind of don't like talking all these negative things. <laughs> and I would like to think better things are coming for, 
this team. Yes. If Gotham has an inability to find their forwards feet, only 26 touches for Purse, 20 for Monaghan, and 17 for Smith. Pugh herself has 72 touches, more than all three of them. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts. Did I say I don't like these numbers? <laughs> You're just torturing me here. <laughs> You're like, stop, and you keep going with the, these numbers. But anyway, sometimes I'd rather not know because I do have an idea how bad the numbers are. But then again, I guess it's better to know. <laughs> yeah. So what are some overall thoughts for this game? Well, I have to say during the Challenge Cup and epi- early episodes, of this year, I said in one of the episodes, or probably a couple episodes back then, depending how Gotham performs in the Challenge Cup, it will dictate how the season will go. And here we are. This is how it's been since the Challenge Cup. And I was hoping I was wrong at the time. But they are just playing just like they did in the Challenge Cup. Now we're halfway through, a little over halfway through in the regular season, and Gotham cannot afford to keep playing that way. So change is good. Yes, indeed. You know, Ruby, last season, it kind of feels like we were spoiled. You know, even if it was a loss, the team was in every game and they were competitive. There was a collective identity. Everybody knew who Gotham was. Gotham would out-possess you. They would defend as a unit. They would pull teams apart methodically and hit you with well-worked team goals through slick passing triangles. I still don't know what the identity of this team is in this season. This team, despite being talented from top to bottom, was just not competitive. You know, I like to say that I agree with you, but in this (laughs) instance, I really dislike agreeing with you. (laughs) But I agree. I agree. The talent of this team is a champion level team right now. We have such great players. We have some of the best players. Yeah, I'm going to keep going negative here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so that that pat that pass map ruby was I, i've never seen anything like it as i pointed out earlier mewis withdrew and there was absolutely no player in the middle of the attacking part of the field it looked like they were doing like a half field rondo drill like chicago was just a tight web right in the center of the field another game another post game where the veterans are saying we need to figure out who we are mm-hmm. and i believe the team and each player knows who they are but they follow a plan and a play that doesn't fit who they are. So that that's where I see the issue. That couldn't be more true. Any stats of the week, Ruby? All right. Let's keep going with the negatives. On this <laughs> on this game, the only they only had possession of the ball 40% of the time. This is the lowest possession percentage in the season. Bad. This is this is coming from the team that dominated possession last season, mm-hmm. top in the league to go to see these. Oh, it's terrible. But so my stat: zero point one expected goals on no shots on target, the lowest of any team this season. Four shots in total. Torres skied two of those shots from distance. Page the other from deeper. Just nowhere near getting a goal. Let's just get to our players of the week over on Twitter at Overgotham Pod. Fans chose Mewis. I just picked the highest rated on Mob. Mm-hmm. Thanks to all the fans who voted. Do you agree, Ruby? So I picked Torres. Uh, I I like how she was shooting from far. She didn't score, but she really tried. I was going to pick someone else, but I think Torres deserves it. 
She was also picked as the Budweiser player of the match once again. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Like after the game, now that I'm thinking about, like probably should have put Torres on that no matter what. But, you know, I'm going with Torres too. The six should be hers from now on. She got the bump of being on the podcast last week. That's all I'm going to say. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. Tarrant was a great guest. She's a future star. So, I again, I, I give her the keys to the sixth position from here on out. Yes. If, they, if you guys haven't listened to the last episode, after you listen to this one, go back to the last one because that one was fun too. Yeah. All right. Let's move forward. Let's look at the table and where we stand. The free fall continues. Gotham falls <laughs> to 11th place, two points from the bottom and nine points from the line with three games in hand. North Carolina has a game in hand on Gotham. If they win, Gotham is in last place. Great. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you have to look at the positive side. Let's say they they go to 12th place. There's only one way and that is up. <laughs> that's true so th- this next batch of games coming up is last chance for gotham this is essentially the season here three games in seven days all away if you don't count philly as a true home game six the number six the number three and number eight teams in the standings first going to seattle then midweek to houston then back home to philly for an unpredictable uh, orlando team so first up is ol rain Rapino, Lavelle, Huerta, not the team you want to face if you're giving up set-piece goals or crosses. So pretty even historically, 7-6-5 in favor of OL. Gotham hasn't scored a goal in their last two away games, is the lowest in goals scored per match. Seattle has the most clean sheets in the league. Gotham hasn't kept a clean sheet in seven matches. Your thoughts on this matchup, Ruby? So this is going to be an interesting match now with Scott gone Mm -hmm. and Becky and Bev taking over the team. It's going to be really interesting to see what Gotham can do. I wrote my notes before <laughs> before Parkinson was let go. So what I have here, you know, the odds were, were against Gotham. But now, actually, we don't even know what's going to happen because most definitely the plan and the play, it's going to change for Gotham. It's the Gotham we saw last week is not going to be the same Gotham we're going to see in the next game against O.L. Reign. But now with him gone, we're back on track to win. I don't expect them to win this next game, but I also don't expect them to lose. But if they get a draw, that's going to be a big win for Gotham. I would take a draw away of OL any time of the season, especially this time. But yeah, it looks like a it looks like a nightmare on paper. But we should have Anamanu back. That should mm-hmm. be Taylor a break, and this should be a re-energized team. So we did pretty well at OL last season. I think we can go there and get a draw. That sounds good to me. So then after that, we got a midweek game in Houston. Salmon, Groom, Sanchez, and Prince. Daly has moved on to Europe. This is not the team you want to face when you're giving up goals. So pretty even historically, 6-3-7 and seven in favor of Gotham. Houston is second in goals scored in the league. Gotham is lowest in the league in goals scored at nine. Your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, like you said, Daly is no longer with Houston, but Houston seems to be building and progressing the right direction. Going forward, it's going to be challenging for for Gotham to earn points, especially because this team, like I said, has been building and and going the right way. Salmon has been incredible. She's, She's just scoring goals left and right out there. 
I'm not looking forward to Houston midweek. That I mean, the way too early forecast says 95 degrees with a chance of thunderstorms. Salmon is on an absolute tear, as you mentioned, and Gotham should have a full straight of players back. Hopefully they start the COVID protocols early. I would hate to have that many players missing for these matchups, mm-hmm. especially in the Houston heat. They're going to have to rotate. So yeah. what are we manifesting this week? All right. All I can do is just send all the good vibes to the players right now because they definitely needed needing uh, all these good vibes and manifesting joy to the team and a win. Why not? Let's win. Let's go out there and win. Yeah, I'm just going to go with that. That's a good That's a good manifestation to make this week. So any random thoughts before we close? Yes. I just want to remind everyone we're having the Twitter spaces this Friday, the 12th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I probably will just be joining for a little bit because Grandma is in town. <laughs> so I have to hang out with Grandma for a little bit. I haven't seen her all week. Uh, it's actually my wife's grandma. So she's here from Bolivia. So I'm going to hang out with her for a little bit, but I'm definitely going to join for a little bit, hang out with everyone and talk about the season and just question and answer questions from the fans. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what Jenna has to say. So I'm looking forward to this myself. Jenna's sources. (laughs) Yeah. But all right. So this interview that I'm doing with Hensley was really a lot of fun. And I broke it up into two different interviews because I just there was so much to talk about. And I wanted to, in the midst of everything that was going down and you know the negativity around this and the whatever, I just wanted to have a little bit of fun. So the first interview we have is going to be her first, uh, the player interview that she's had on this podcast. And then next week, we will play the second part. And it's just, honestly, it's just me and Hensley talking about our love for Star Wars and what it means to us. Wow. So uh, we're uh, having a two-part interview. It was yes. that long? Yeah, we had 20 minutes each, so and, uh, <laughs> we had a lot that of fun. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. And I bet we still have more questions to ask to bring her back. Oh, 1,000%. She was an amazing guest. So I could, let's just, you know, let's just get to this interview, shall we? Let's go. All right, fans. So our next guest was taken 34th overall by Gotham FC in the 2022 draft at a Clemson University. This is a first time guest. This warrior wears number 51 for your Gotham FC. Welcome to the podcast, Hensley Hancock. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so grateful to be able to jump on here with you guys and, and be able to talk about some really interesting topics. Yeah, I can't wait. So you're a player that I've been wanting to talk to since you've been drafted. So I did an article on you and everybody I reached out to, like your coaches and stuff like that, they all talked about how good of a player you were, but they all seemed to go out of their way and talk about how good of a person you are. So I can't wait to really do a deep dive and get to know you better. Well, that's really sweet. I mean, I think playing on the field and what I can bring on on the field is just as important as what I can bring off the field. Um, And I feel like a lot of players kind of have that mindset on this team. So I'm glad that I ended up here being surrounded by a bunch of amazing people. Yeah, you absolutely fit in at Gotham. Uh, We'll talk about that in a bit, but let's get to some quick icebreakers, just some one word answers, you know, first thing that comes to your mind. So what is the most used app on your phone? Most used app on my phone is probably Twitter. Um, I, I 
love Twitter. I think it's hilarious. Um, I kind of stay away from all the Twitter drama, but I'm just on there for the, you know, Star Wars memes, uh, cat memes, and the occasional Gotham posts. <laughs> I think we just became best friends. All right. So you wouldn't be here without this person. Oh, I wouldn't be here definitely without my mom. Um, she's been my rock ever since day one. Um, ever since middle school, so there's been really hard days, as everybody knows, in athletics, and she's pushed me just to continue. And here we are today, and I could not have done it without her. She's been my rock. Yeah, she comes to the games too, which is awesome. Yeah, she does. She's been able to come to two games, and I'm, yeah. I've been really happy to be able to get her out. So I mentioned the story on the last podcast, but uh, so I brought my, I'm, I'm a volunteer of the Big Brother, Big Big Sister program. Cool. And so I had my little with me and my, and he's just starting to get soccer, but he really loves like getting pictures with the players and stuff Aww. like that. So you had started coming down our way, we're in 106 and you stopped like three people from us and then kind of walked by us. Right. So I could see Josiah like, where's she going? Right. Yeah. So I was like, all right, we'll, we'll get her next time. And then I turn to my left, I look to see who's coming next. And then I hear on the right side of me, I hear, so you want to get a picture with Hensley? And I hear him say, yeah. Now she goes, don't worry about it. I got you. So I look over and sitting next to Josiah was your mother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, really she, sweet. <laughs> yeah. She called you over. You took a picture with her. He was so happy. It was just, yeah, your mother's, your mother's amazing. She's awesome. No, she's awesome. Um, she's already met some of the other parents on the player's team um she this is funny our athletic trainer uh her name is Erin her mom came to one of the games my mom was at and they apparently were sitting next to each other and absolutely clicked best friends talking about it and it's just so funny seeing that my mom is fully immersing herself in the Gotham culture and I love it yes so who is the hardest shooter on Gotham hardest shooter on Gotham Christy she can absolutely rock it one. She makes yeah. it look so effortlessly too. And you can never guess where she's going to go. Never guess where she's going to go. So definitely Christy. Yeah, I can see that. So I was doing my digging on you and I came across this video of the UCLA shootout. So that was incredible. So yeah. this is Delaney Sheehan's UCLA. Do you talk about that at all? Yeah, we actually go back and chat about it a little bit. And there's still definitely... Um, I wouldn't say tension, but it was definitely I, I I have a little bit of bragging rights and it's all in college. So it's all in the past. But that was probably one of the coolest moments of my career so far up to this point. That team was talented, that UCLA team. They oh, had yeah. like four or five uh, pros on that, on that roster. Let's say that shootout went a little bit longer. You had to take a kick. How confident are you in making one? I'm so confident. Um, I really don't have any technical advice. Well, there's some things I can say to give to people, but my biggest thing when you walk up to the PK spot is your confidence and, and what you exude from that. Um, I would love to take a PK. I can't promise that I'm going to absolutely <laughs> rocket it over the bar, but if I get it right, I will bury it. I'm either going to miss by a mile or make it like the best goal ever. On game days, what is your state of mind? Is it Zen? Is it whatever? I'm ready? Or is it yeah. just amped? It's transitioned a bit since I've been in college, even earlier in college, now, then to my senior year, and then even now, it's really transitioned from I used to be so amped up, listen to super loud music, just super like raw, raw, ready to go. 
but now it's a bit more zen um I listen to kind of classic rock, but not like the crazy. I have a couple songs here and there that really get me going that I'll listen to right before the game starts. But throughout the day, I just like to chill um, and not overthink it. I I have a really good routine leading up to game day because preparation for a game starts the day after a game ends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Leading up to a game, I like to do laundry the night before a game. It kind of helps me feel like I have accomplished something and gets my hands going. And it's just totally mindless. Um, I've started reading a couple books that I really have found that have been helpful for me to fall asleep at night, let's be honest, before a game. So, yeah, it's there's I'm more zen now. Okay. Three words that, fit, uh, that describe your fit style. My fit style. Sportswear. Definitely. Um, I would love to say high class, but we're not there yet. (laughs) We're not there yet. We're not on Ashland's level yet. Um, We're going to be buying Prada and everything. Someday we'll get there. But that's kind of what I'm aiming towards. Um, And then unique also. I like to kind of make everything my own. Um, I think Mandy Freeman on my team is such an inspiration for fashion because she finds the coolest clothes that you would never think would work in an outfit and she makes them work and you're just like how do you do this and one it's part of her confidence but two it's also her eye for it also and so i i try to kind of find inspiration in her in her fits as well so who is your traveling roommate my traveling roommate um we have different roommates really for the most part every single trip this past trip it was my roommate here jenna bike she just Mm -hmm. got signed um this past week so I'm super happy for her. Super stoked. It's been a long time coming for her. And and it's just, she's an awesome, she's an awesome friend. We're really close. Yeah. She's got some bravado. She's, yeah. uh, she, she just seems like she's not afraid of anybody and she's just going to go hundred percent all the time. Yeah. It's actually really funny. Um, she went to Boston college. I went to Clemson mm-hmm. and our last regular season game was against each other uh, this past year. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of just another full circle moment kind of with Delaney where we all came back to the same place. And I'm I'm so happy that she's one of my roommate and one one of my really good friends now. Fantastic. And last rapid fire. Uh, why number 51? It's a family number. Um, I grew up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. My dad was a Pittsburgh Steelers okay. fan. It's changed now. Don't give me that look. <laughs> um <laughs> So he used to take the 51C train to Heinz Stadium uh, back in the day in Pittsburgh. And ever since I was little, he always picked 51 for my number. And and that's kind of grown um, throughout my life. And then now my little brother is taking over a little bit in high school with him also trying to be 51. Um, I have it tattooed on me. Me and my mom have it together. And my brother's going to get it here pretty soon. So it's like a family crest almost. I guess you're all Giants fans now, right? With Eli Manning showing up to oh, your practice. Oh, man. That was pretty cool. Uh, he was uh, slinging balls at me pretty hard, and I was catching him. I was actually really impressed with myself because he may be getting a little bit older, but he can still absolutely sling a ball. Yeah. I can't wait to, can't wait to see him at a game. He's going to be there on the 28th. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think he's going to bring his kids, too. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So let's get a let's learn a little more about you. So first, you have a dedicated fan base. I think they call it the Hensley Hive. <laughs> so what does it mean to have inspired such a collective? It's I still can't describe the feeling to you. Um 
one, it is so inspiring and motivational to work harder every single day to, you know, really kind of be that handcuff hive leader almost, you know, I really, I, it inspires me so much mm -hmm. to continue to push for success because I can't let people down. And I know whatever I do is going to, people are going to support me, but it's been so motivational to have that. Um, and, and two, it's just so grateful. There are really hard days in the NWSL where everything can seem like it's going wrong and, and you have all the world on your shoulders and then seeing tweets about myself where, where people are so supportive and, and so loving, no matter who you are. Um, I'm really grateful for kind of that group of people. They've really helped me this, this year so far. Yeah, I, th I think I, th I think your time is coming, and I I can't wait. I yeah. I hope it's at home at Red Bull Arena. Oh, that too. place will be live when yeah. that happens. Absolutely, but you almost got your chance to come into the game <laughs> the first time. It's a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because obviously when you're 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 the backup, Bezos is the starter, and she's mm -hmm. always just throwing her body on the line. Oh, she's a she's a monster. She's awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into her. Uh, but I think the first time that you back up uh, Beto, she, she got knocked down like twice. And I saw you put on the gloves twice. I was like, like it was the first time it happened. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to go into the game. I'm going to freak out. Like, you know, I was ready, but I just yeah. wasn't expecting that. Um, and then now kind of being rostered more and getting used to the game day routine. I, it's, I've Every time that Beto's has gone down, I'm like, put me in, coach. I am ready. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not the way you want to go in. You don't you want that to be. Yeah, you, you never know. want that to happen. But I'm Absolutely. always ready. But you know, let's just get into Michelle Betos. She is the most New York player of all the Gotham players that I can see. Oh yeah, she's got such an attitude, and she always oh. looks like somebody's wasting her time when <laughs> <laughs> she's walking the sideline. But so, tell us about her and what's it like being able to learn from someone as good as Betos. She is such an inspirational figure because she's been through a lot as well um on the field she is just so solid and so the way she speaks kind of just flows and it's so calming to be in her presence because one she's extremely understanding of people and what you can be going through and always checking in to make sure that you're good um but then also too always willing and to put in the work she works so hard and it's so fulfilling i feel like to be able to work with somebody like that who motivates me so much um she's so experienced and we've gotten to the point where we can just look at each other and know what we were gonna say because we spend all this time together you know um and she's almost looked at for me as like a bigger sister um that i've really looked up to the past couple of months yeah and your your, your other keeper is a legend in her own right yeah. and you had a, a history with her you've trained with her before being at gotham right yeah back in 2017 i was doing online school to finish out high school um and was living in orlando florida being able to train with the pride with ashlyn so back then we she you know little 17 year old me was looking up to her like oh my gosh that's ashlyn harris i get to train with her every day um, and now she's a teammate and it's just another yet again, full circle moment in the soccer world. What was your first impressions of Ashlyn? Intense. She is intense and she puts her all into this game. Um, she is so passionate. She cares so much, not only about the players, but about winning too. She is a winning, she has such a winning mentality and, and it's just 
really, really fun to work with her. Yeah. And so being a keeper, as I looked at your resume and it's like top to bottom keeper. So for a lot of people, when they become like all the keepers that I worked with, they kind of were a field player at one point, then they got thrown to goal for a game for whatever reason, and then it just stuck. Was yeah. that something that was like for you too? Um, so I actually, I did like YMCA 3v3 soccer when I was little. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't really count that as my soccer career because everybody kind of does that. And then <laughs> after that, I got into gymnastics for a really mm-hmm. long time, actually. Um, and then I got a little bit too tall for that. Mm-hmm. So quit that. And when I was about seven or eight, I was like, mom, you have to sign me up for soccer. All my friends are playing. You have to sign me up. So I think she signed me up pretty late. Um, I got on a team. I wasn't really supposed to play because I signed up late. So I was just sitting on the bench watching. Um, and the goalkeeper at the time had braces and got hit in the mouth with a ball. You can, you can see it. Um, yeah. had to come out and they were like tallest kid on the bench, pulled me off the bench, stuck me in there. And apparently I was throwing my body in front of every single ball. And my mom was like, that's when she knew I found my love. Yeah. Let's, let's get to a little bit of your uh, support system. So one thing that's a key for anyone who wants to be successful in any field whatsoever you need to build yourself a support system. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to have those people around you that are encouraging you all the time and as you have with your family. So tell us about what it's like having your family behind you. I mean, it means everything because a lot of people don't have that. Um, mm-hmm. My mom and my brother are kind of, like I said before, my rocks. And I wouldn't be here without them. Um, my brother's now kind of getting into the recruitment process in high school. He plays basketball. Um, and so he's kind of leaning on me a little bit to guide him and getting recruited for soccer and basketball is completely different, but it's still the same feelings of where am I going to go? Am I going to get a scholarship? Do I need to worry about this and this? And so he's starting to lean on me a little bit and I'm really grateful for that because I've leaned on him a lot and he probably doesn't even know it. Um, I think you have to also surround yourself with people who have the same goals and that can part of kind of part B your support system. And so every day in my friends and, and just family and everything, I want to surround myself with people who want to work just as hard as I do. And that also comes with expectations, some internally, some externally. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with the pressure of people are supporting you, but now you can't let them down? So how's that, how does that work for you? I find that it has made me even more in tune with my football. Um, This past year has been a really difficult year off the field, kind of with the passing of Katie Meyer, one of my really good friends and, and just being a rookie in general. But ever since that happened, it changed the meaning for soccer for me. And I never thought soccer could mean so much off of the field as it does on the field. And it's just a way of life at this point. And I think that having a support system that, you know, I don't want to let down is extremely motivational, as we talked about earlier with the handcuff hive. I, I don't want to let these these amazing people down. And so it's just more motivational for me to work. And I'm sure at some points I, there will come a time where I do let people down and and I get scored on. That's just part of football. But kind of having that precursor of knowing that's going to happen, but doing everything now that I can is is going to help a lot. So, so as we all know, 
there's never been a goal in the history of soccer that wasn't the goalkeeper's fault. So why do you want to put yourself through that? I think it's just because I'm crazy. Every goalkeeper <laughs> is crazy. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> ask myself that question my entire life and I still don't have an answer for it. And I don't think any goalkeeper will have an answer for why we choose to step in front of a, mo- a moving ball, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that I, I've, I played keeper for a little bit and I did it for like two years and I just wish somebody would like pull me aside because I'm a good athlete. So I did okay at it. Yeah. But I just wish someone pulled me aside and said, Gary, do you realize you're five foot six? Stop it. <laughs> Get out of net. <laughs> That's, no, well, there's a lot of shorter goalkeepers as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, being a goalkeeper is all about finding what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah. Um, and what works for me is going to be different than what works for Mish. And what works for Mish is going to be different than from what works for Ash. And so it's kind of all about finding that technique that works for you because being a goalkeeper is so technical and people don't understand how technical it really is. Um, and how much we break down things. Yeah, it's it's an absolute cerebral position. It's the most it's cerebral on, on the, the game. And you're constantly, you're moving chess pieces around all yeah. 90 minutes. And, oh, yeah. It's uh, and, and people think like, because you're not, you, if you're not involved in the play, you're not doing anything. But the entire time you're mapping, the, you're mapping and moving. and Worst case scenarios. Yeah, I'm constantly yeah. like twiddling my thumbs wondering oh if this ball goes here what am I going to do just always prepared for every scenario that's kind of the definition I would say of being a goalkeeper you always have to be prepared for anything you seem like a very driven person so you've been in the U.S. national team pool from the youth all the way up so what are your expectations for yourself and your career Yeah. um, Being kind of a rookie in the NWSL is hard for me to prove myself, especially as a goalkeeper under two experienced, awesome goalkeepers. Um, And so my expectations for myself right now are just to continue to learn and grow from all the people that are put kind of in my pathway um, and slowly climb that ladder. And if the U.S. national team calls me in for a camp, I'll come in and I'll be ready. Um, and I will do everything in my power to hold that position. But that isn't something that I, on the day-to-day basis, are wor- is wor- I'm worried about because it would just drive me mad. Yeah. And speaking of people that are helping you grow, one person that's always kind of behind the scenes and we don't know too much about, but Brody Sams, who is the mm-hmm. goalkeeping coach. So what can you tell us about him? He has been such a solid person on and off the field for me. Um, his ideology behind mental health relating to being a goalkeeper is really, really interesting. We've had so many great conversations about taking things and letting things go and and vice versa. Um, and it's just been so awesome to work with him. On the field, he is so energetic and so inspirational i mean all the goalkeepers that i've worked with the past couple months are so inspirational in their own way and i'm just so lucky that i ended up here you know um i couldn't think of a better place to be with between brody and ash and mish because i'm learning and growing so much from all of them absolutely and when you got drafted i was like there could not be a better spot for you absolutely (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So you're definitely in the right spot. So how, I mean, you're, you're obviously, you're from Oklahoma, but how have you adapted to the New York lifestyle? Um, my mom, when I was little, always called me an active child. 
I was always on the go, always trying to do something, um, kind of as an aggressive person as I got older. Um, in the way that I talk, I'm very direct. And so just living in Oklahoma, you kind of stand out because one, I'm six three. Two, I have tattoos. Three, I'm loud. And a lot of people just don't see that in Oklahoma. So in high school, I was kind of glad not to get out of there because I love going back. It's a, it's just such a quiet place and I'm not meant to be in a quiet place. Um, I want to be somewhere where I'm surrounded by cult, different cultures and different people. And when I walk down the street in New York, people are still going to stare at me, but they're not going to think I'm crazy. You know, where in Oklahoma, yeah. they're going to be like, oh my gosh, have you ever seen a girl that big with tattoos? <laughs> so if you could take one thing from Oklahoma with you to New York, what would it be? If it's a store, if it's a place that you used to hang out, what would you bring with you wherever you go? Um, it's called Brahms ice cream. You okay. can get a bag of burgers for $5 and they have some <laughs> amazing ice cream. Okay. I miss it probably every day. It's the first stop I go when I get home. And now you're in New York, what would you take with you back to Oklahoma? Back to Oklahoma. I mean, you're in New Jersey. You got like all all the night pizza. diners and the pizza. The pizza. That's the, pizza. the way to go. I haven't eaten as much pizza as I have the past six months <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> Absolutely. But all right. So this is going to be the first of two interviews. So we're going to do this. Uh, we actually have a really deep philosophical inter interview about Star Wars. Both of our love are both big, big nerds for Star Wars. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be on the next week's episode. But for this one, Hensley, thank you for coming on and doing this. You are one of a kind. Every I know everyone is rooting for you. And again, we're going to have you on uh, next week, which is going to be awesome. So thanks for sticking around. And Gotham will be on the field this Sunday at 3 p.m. away at the OL Reign. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. I am so ready. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you guys next week. Let's go.